This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Welcome to another episode of Dojo Live. I'm Tulia Serguser. I'm here with my co-host today, speaking to another guest, where we talk about culture and technology companies. Very excited to have our guest today, uh, Ruben, if you can open it up, everyone. Thank you for joining us, Michael. I just want to introduce Laura. She's joining us from Hermosillo. Marielle is joining us from Chihuahua, and Carlos is in Mexico City. And Michael, where are you today? Rio Negro, Colombia. Oh, fantastic. We've got the whole Latin American uh, landscape covered this morning here. <laughs> Michael, please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and let the guests, uh, the, the audience know who you are. Sure. So my name is Michael Pushkar. I'm an entrepreneur, investor, technologist, uh, first and foremost, a technologist. Uh, my background's in artificial intelligence. So uh, most of the ventures I've started have had something to do with AI technology. And I'm currently the founder of two different companies. Uh, first is called Oiga Technologies, it's oiga.com, where we implement AI solutions for customers. And as you can imagine, uh, today, uh, that's, that's an industry that's completely blowing up. And I'm also the co-founder of Zeotag, a company that's using artificial intelligence to change how we create and consume video. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank really you. Appreciate having you here. Right, um, pleasure to be here. So you're in Colombia, but you 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 sound American. Were you originally from the states? You've got an interesting background, I think. I do have an interesting background. So I'm actually an Italian, but I'm educated in the United States, and so so really bred in the United States. And then I uh, lived in China for a few years. Um, and about 10 years ago, I was invited to come to Colombia. It was back when they were trying to change the image of the country. I was personally invited by the mayor of Medellin. And uh, he knew I was an entrepreneur. And so he was looking for you know entrepreneurs and investors to come down and say, hey, look, this country isn't what uh, what it was. Things have changed. And at the time, I, you know, I, I, uh, I had a small company. It was about 15 developers. It was uh, mostly based in China. And I said, you know, what do I have to lose? I'd like to go down. I'd like to see it. Let's see what it's about. Uh, I'd like to be early into new markets. And so I arrived here in Colombia, and uh, it was amazing. And it's been an amazing experience. And though I'm what I guess you would consider to be a nomad, I'm a nomad no more, an ex-nomad. Ever since I, I landed here in Colombia, I've decided to stay. So it's a beautiful country, and there's great opportunity here. Very cool. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, Mariel, please introduce the show today, and let's get right into the topic that Michael has chosen. Sure. Uh, our topic today is artificial intelligence, the bridge to worldwide educational access. So, Michael, for our first question, can you tell us why you chose this topic? Why is it important to you? Yeah, so education is something that's that's very important to me. I'm involved with a lot of causes related to education. And the thing I love about technology is it's the great equalizer. So for centuries, uh, there's been this divide between classes, you know, the rich and the poor. And it's been very difficult traditionally for someone from a lower class to ascend to a higher class. Technology has really changed that. Um, <clears throat> we've seen more millionaires, even billionaires created over the last 25 years through the use of technology and, uh, and entrepreneurship and technology than, we, <clears throat> than we've ever had. So um, it's important to me because AI sort of takes that a step further, right? AI itself is, is changing through our ability to get our, to educate ourselves through online media, right? Through the YouTube, access to online classes, on, access to online education. It's, it's allowing people from uh, different socioeconomic statuses to, uh, to educate themselves and have the same access to work and uh, education and to, uh, and to entrepreneurship and starting companies and things like that, that we've always, you know, we've never had, we've never seen before. So 
So to me, it, it, education is obviously very important. And then technology combined with education is something that is, uh, is changing the world in a very positive way. Michael, in your experience, having been in different countries and different cultures, are there some cultures that are more interested in con continuous education than others? What are some of the challenges there? Is it an infrastructure challenge or is it just access? Can you share a little bit about your experience along those lines? Well, I think we all recognize that education is is very important and that parental wealth directly influences um, the ability to obtain an education in, in most countries, right? So you know, most families, they can't afford a Harvard education, especially if they're in uh, a country that has, uh, has a, a lower standard of living. So every country, I think, and every, every person has the same aspirations, but they don't have the same access. Right. So uh, so that's where that's where I think technology is coming in and it's and it's and it's changing things. But, for example, someone in uh, Colombia, for example, uh, maybe the uh, the education system here isn't as good as it is in the United States. But one has the ability to supplement it now with all these online materials. And, and I think that's uh, that's a game changer. Thanks. I think we have a few questions from uh, the audience members on, on Twitter. By the way, if you are watching this, you can just post your question right on the stream or at Dojo Live on Twitter. Uh, Laura, can you uh, I see there's a couple of them. Can you uh, share what those questions are? Sure. So the first question from Twitter is what kind of hard problems in your business are are you really solving with AI that cannot be solved by other technologies? Sure. So, yeah, that's a great question. Um, pretty, when we talk about artificial intelligence, we always talk about it as being the future, right? Something, uh, you know, that's going to be coming in 15 to 20 years. But I, I think it's important to understand that's happening right now. Okay, that's all around us. And I think companies that are, at, um, that are adopting AI technology are going to be well ahead of the curve. And so the typical problem that AI solves is one of redundancy. They're typically the jobs that nobody wants to do, to be honest. Uh, their jobs are repeatable. And I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, the best one, the classic example, is fraud detection and banking. So for years, anyone who's traveled abroad knows how inconvenient it is if your credit card gets blocked while you're traveling and you get that call, um, they saw suspicious transactions. Well, you know, you're traveling abroad. Of course, it's a non-traditional transaction. And that used to be flagged by an army of people who would sit there reviewing every transaction that comes through. Now, humans think that they're really good at detecting uh, trends, but it turns out they're not so good. And the machine is really quite good. So in that particular case, for example, uh, the AI, you could feed it a year's worth of transactional data. You have to give it, uh, you have to give it the information of what was a uh, fraudulent transaction, which wasn't. And then at the end of the day, through the machine learning process, it will be able to identify with a remarkable precision, more than, you know, 500 humans could have done. So that's 500 human jobs gone, right? Um, now, I think the first thing everybody says is, well, that's, that's a travesty. But, you know, we retrain those people. And we're bringing them into other industries where they can apply that uh, different types of knowledge and, and sort of be in uh, a 21st century job, if I could call it that. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I think it's fair to say that someone probably would rather not sit and just look at transactions all day long, like on a screen, and maybe do something a little more creative. So... Yeah. Hopefully it will be an opportunity for people. We have several more questions from the audience today, which is awesome. Uh, I'll take this next one. One of the questions that came in is, are you using AI with a service or are they developing their own technology in AI? 
That's another really good question. Um, I, I love this question because something that's really important to understand right now is that AI has become a commodity. And it's just amazing to even think about that, but it's true, okay? So all the cloud providers, AWS, uh, IBM, Microsoft and Google, they all have APIs now to access AI technology. So whether it's machine learning or it's video intelligence, computer vision, everybody has access to it right now. And you don't need to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. You can go in, you can sign up for an account, you can start making AI calls and you don't need a data scientist necessarily to do it either. What you do need is content, okay? Because AI needs training materials, but even those are, are online. So while we do develop intellectual property for customers and AI is my background, I'm going to tell you something. The algorithms that uh, we deploy, some of them, I have a patent for for an algorithm I developed from 1999. So, um, so it's all commodities. The first thing to remember is it's it's commodity software. So anybody uh, who has a little bit of technology knowledge can go out there and start implementing AI right now. And the second thing is that what happened was the explosion of content online combined with cloud computing and the ability for us to scale up. Okay, um, with with a lot of CPU power has really brought about this AI re revolution. It's why it's possible. It's not about having to develop proprietary algorithms necessarily. Like I said, we do that sometimes, but most of what is being done is already out there. Mariel, I think there's one more right from Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we have another one for um, our viewers in Twitter. Uh, this one's very specific. Um, what technologies approach of AI are you using to reach the, your goals? Like, I don't know, machine learning, deep learning, neural networks? All of it. I, I think it's really important not to focus on one particular thing. Uh, usually, um, so if, you, if you're someone out there, if this question is coming from someone who's looking to what technology they should study, I would absolutely uh, say look at Python and look at Google TensorFlow, for example. It's a very, uh, very good library. But um, there's a lot of great tools out there. And a lot of what we implement at OIGA, for example, is technology that's only emerged in the last six months. Okay, now I just contradict myself. I just said that some of these algorithms are from, uh, you know, uh, 20 years ago, but the truth is that a lot of these things are just being put online, put into the cloud infrastructure and made available through the API. So I'll give you an example. So if I want to uh, train a taxonomy so that I could do classification, let's just say, let's let's take video for content, for example, and what Zeotag's doing. They're taking a video, a long form video that's about four hours long, and you want to be able to break it up into a table of contents so you can more easily get into the part of the video you need to get to. Well, you know what you do to classify content? You make an API call. Now, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if we had to do that, first of all, we would have had a CPU power problem. And second of all, we would have had to develop all that code custom. It would have cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, um, so yeah, so I would say don't limit yourself to any one particular piece of technology. There's a lot of technology out there you can use, and there's more coming online literally every day. We're really in the midst of, of an AI revolution. So, Michael, I want to bring this back to um, the cultural aspects and people impact this has. Would you say your focus is predominantly in adult education or does it, or does it run the gamut from childhood all the way through continuous learning? It runs the gamut. I mean, I think uh, right now what's beautiful about, and going back to the theme of, uh, of education and artificial intelligence and technology is that right now you can learn almost anything. I mean, do you want to learn how to speak Albanian? There's an online video on YouTube for that. Uh, do you want to learn how to make pesto? There's a video for that. Build a hobby horse, program in Java. I mean, all of these things, you could just go onto YouTube and you start getting access to them and learning them right away. So it crosses cultural bounds, it crosses um, age, gender, whatever you want to say. 
The only, I would say, downside to this is maybe the availability of some of that material in other languages. So obviously most of it's in English, some of it's in Spanish, uh, but uh, when you start getting into other languages, I think uh, it's really important to be able to speak one of those two languages uh, because most of the material is going to be in those languages. Okay, so if you don't mind, walk, walk us through a little bit. So I can go and search for those topics on YouTube or wherever and find them, right? That's, That's right. Straightforward. What is the advantage of, of applying AI? Is, does it give me additional indexing capabilities? Does it allow me to narrow down to the exact two minutes that I want out of that two-hour video? How does that benefit me as a user that, that, in terms of what I'm not getting right now? That's, that's yes to all, all your questions. And I think 2020, one of the big buzzwords that we're going to have is something that's called media contextualization. And it uses AI. How many times, and I know it's happened to me, and I'm sure it's happened to many people in the audience, have you gone to learn something? Just say you want to learn how to build a, a hot. Now, let's use the, the pesto uh, uh, example. So let's say I want to learn how to make pesto. I already know basically how to do it, but I want to know how I need to grind the garlic. So I go on, I search on Google. Inevitably, it's going to come up with some results that are video results because that's how we learn now. I bring up the video. I'm excited to learn just what I need to know. And it's a two-hour video. And so, you know, it starts with uh, check out more videos on my channel, uh, introductions, and just a lot of information that you don't need. Well, what artificial intelligence is doing, which I think is a real game changer, is it's analyzing these videos and contextualizing the media. That means that it's taking all the individual parts and it's telling you, it's not only breaking it up, but it's telling you what each of them are about. So, well, first of all, I can get to exactly that part of the video that I need to see, which might only be two minutes, not two hours. Saved myself a lot of time. But also, I can empower search. So I can start to say things like, show me videos where Michael Pushkar is speaking and he's speaking about artificial intelligence. And, uh, or even you know something a lot more discreet. And that really allows us to optimize our time, to get to the information exactly what we want to see, to learn more, learn better, learn faster. Well, I, I really like that. I, I, I mean, I could see huge benefits in being able to get 10 different results or 30 second, 45 second clips of something that really matters to me. Uh, I guess in some way it's sort of like uh, taking the TikTok approach to uh, breaking down content that is otherwise very large and, and, and uh, takes a lot of time to consume. Yeah, let me, I mean, let me ask you this question. You wouldn't read a book, a 250-page book without a table of contents. So why are we watching four-hour videos without <laughs> any kind of sort of guide? So that's what artificial intelligence is going to do for us. Right, because we don't have a choice right now. Okay. Yeah, right. So, but we will. We will. A lot of people are rushing towards okay. this. Great. So um, where, where, are there, where also there are opportunities to bring access to those countries, for perhaps, or those areas of the world that have not had access to education like we do? Are there places where this can be applied in different ways, perhaps in schools or ex you know, extending education in such a way that's more accessible with mobile devices where you know, perhaps the infrastructure isn't there? Are there some uses that you guys have thought about in terms of doing good for the world where there's lack of access today? Yeah, and uh, just you know, a lot of examples jumping into my mind here. But uh, when, when you think about, so you know, the big challenge was access to the internet, you know, access to computers. I think we've gotten past that now, even in the, the world's poorest countries. So um, I, I would say there's a, there's a number of different examples. I'll try to pick one, and I think it would be research. So uh, when I'm um, 
if I'm if I'm researching or building whether it's uh, say a new vaccine for this virus, right? That that's uh, that everyone's talking about. Well, you know, if you have to read um, and watch you know videos, to repeatable experiments, if you have to find access to information, I think being able to get to discrete parts of that information is is helpful, and then being able to create compilations of that. So what's really interesting is I think the advent of what, what I think it's going to be called virtual videos, really the ability to take video content from a lot of different sources and bring it together and sort of put that in front of students, put that in front of researchers, allow them to really quickly educate themselves on a lot of different topics and, uh, and get right to the, the content that they need and, uh, and be able to then, you know, produce their own content and, and produce their own results. <laughs> Carlos, I think you had a question. Yeah, might be. Uh, I don't. I've. Uh, I'm not an engineer, so I don't have a technical background. But uh, AI is definitely something that intrigues me in that sense. And this is because we're talking about uh, society and how how AI can affect society. My question, Michael, would be: What would you say that, uh, considering that it will affect us humans at some point, what is the best way to get data right for AI interpretation? So, yeah, I mean, data is the most critical component of artificial intelligence, right? I mean, without data, you know, the old adage, uh, garbage in, garbage out, right? So if you, if you give it bad information, it's not gonna, it's either gonna learn poorly or it's, it's not gonna learn at all. So, uh, there's two different types of content sources. One is your own internal content sources. The more content you have, the better. A lot of people say, well, I don't have content. Um, there, every organization has, is a content company. Every company is a content company now. Uh, we're producing content, obviously, right now. But you think about content metadata, um, derived content, things like that. So um, well, I could talk for hours about this. But let's just say that um, there's always content internally that we can take advantage of. And then external content, external sources. This explosion of content is what's powered the, the AI revolution. So uh, you can use crawlers and uh, spiders. And there's a lot of open source information that's available, whether it's PubMed or it's uh, you know clinicaltrials.gov, whatever it is, depending on whatever industry you're in, it's out there. Uh, and now there's vendors who are selling content. So uh, you know there's actually websites now where you can go to and you could say, I need content about this and pay, pay a certain amount of money and you can get a, a slice. Of, uh, of the content that you need. But content clearly is the most important part of artificial intelligence, training content. Michael, I'm thinking in, a, in small companies, uh, training employees, it's a lot easier because it's contained. Sometimes people are all in the same office yeah. and one person can manage several people at the same time. But in very large organizations with hundreds of thousands of employees, it is an institutional challenge. Um, and, and frankly, uh, you're talking about also employees that may not have days on days to read through every little detail, but the, the things that are specific to their role that are that matter to them the most, they have to you know chug through a bunch of information like everybody else has to. Right, Is right. there use cases benefit on on how organizations can use this for in, in, you know training their employees to enhance communication? What are some of the things you've seen in the business role? in terms of adopting AI and this particular technology of uh, developing uh, basically personalization on video. That's basically what we're talking about here is personalizing the content so that it's contextually relevant to the user and not one size fits all. So any use cases you want to share with us that where you've seen this happen and successfully happened? 
Yeah, I think this is the use case. In fact, I think this is the most important use case. There's a consumer model for this, but uh, really the enterprise model is getting this in front of, of uh, large organizations, the Lockheed Martins or the AstraZeneca's of the world. And, uh, and then, uh, so events and conferences are the are the other ones. So you know, you go to a conference, you absorb as much as you can. It's an eight-hour conference. You take notes, but then the video content that's taken there, and then being able to you know, slice that up and use it. But for organizations that are very large organizations, right? The typical way to solve this problem has always been let's create training programs, let's put these in front of people, and let's get them through it, and then let's grade them at the end. But we all know that everybody learns different. Everybody comes from different cultural, educational backgrounds. Some people come in with English as a second language or a third language, right? So uh, what this allows you to do by contextualizing the information and creating a unique user profile. So we didn't talk much about this, but you know, one of the things that's also happening here, frankly, it's a little bit creepy, okay, is that just like you can tag people in Facebook, tag their faces, starting to be able to tag people's voices, starting to be able to create profiles of what people do, what what types of videos they record, and then what kinds of videos they watch and how much time they spend watching them. You can eventually create a very unique user profile. And then every person who's being trained gets a unique curriculum. And that's powerful. That's powerful. That makes us all, uh, enables us all to learn faster and better and, uh, and be better at everything that we do. It reminds me of that old uh, scene from The Matrix where uh, Keanu Reeves puts the chip in and suddenly he's uh, <laughs> he speaks another language. Well, we haven't quite, quite gotten there yet, but but that's sort of the goal. I know Kung Fu. I <laughs> that's okay. right. That sounds like a pretty awesome use of this. I mean, I, I, I know it's challenging sometimes where all the training material, even if it's video, you have someone perhaps really senior who's like, oh, gosh, I have to sit through this whole thing. All I need to get to is this maybe 30 minute part that is relevant to me and then someone else who might be brand new might get overwhelmed with how much information is there and they may need to consume it at a different pace so part of this isn't just cataloging the the information and personalizing it would you say it's also the pace in which someone is learning as well how is it going is it going to adapt based on how fast you do something or how you interact with the content is that the end goal to really personalize learning for everybody that is the end goal that's absolutely the end goal and that's that's exactly what it's going to do if you have a user profile and you understand not only what people where they are in terms of their level of, of knowledge and education but you can start to understand how they learn and what works and so uh the more time you spend with the person obviously the better the profile gets but uh this is absolutely the end goal the end goal is to create customized personalized education for every single person and uh, and focus on the things, focus on their deficiencies, fast forward past their uh, strengths and uh, and create a, a unique uh, learning experience that really did, did regardless of your background, uh, what country you came from, what your level of education is. And this is why I think it's so powerful. This is why I'm in love with the idea. You know, I, I donate to a lot of causes in education. I spend a lot of time with, uh, with children. You know, I, when I was 11 years old, I got my first computer. My family was a humble family. No one had ever been to college in, in, in my family. They were an immigrant family. And here I was, an 11 year old, they, they handed me a computer and it changed my life, right? So this is a technology that's gonna change the life of everybody, whether it's somebody you know, here in Columbia from a very poor neighborhood who didn't have access to education, to somebody who's a you know, Harvard Law student. This is technology that's gonna make everybody smarter, everybody better, and we know that education correlates directly to wealth. And, and that's the goal, lift everybody up. 
That's great, Michael. We're, we're coming up on time, and I have one more question before. But before we do that, there one more came in from the audience, and it's a great question actually. It says, "Do you have an e-learning platform of your own that our audience could take a look at? Is is there a platform you have of your own that people could look at as an example?" No, I would encourage everybody to go to zeotag.com and zio-tag.com and uh, and look at the software. But what it does is it integrates into existing learning uh, management systems. So, so you take it and you integrate it, and it, it'll fit into because um, we didn't want to build uh, that. You know, zeotag. We didn't want to build uh, a software that everybody had to use. This is a software you can use. A software that you're already comfortable with. You just sort of integrate this in the back end. But you can learn a lot more about it there. You can see demos uh, and get uh, early access to the platform as well. We'll make sure we put all those links on the landing page of uh, dojo.nearsoft.com of this show. One last thing. Can you, for companies that are thinking about improving uh, the their education, customizing, personalizing, making it more relevant for the employees, do you have maybe three to five tips on how they can get started that you'd like to share with the audience today? Sure. So, uh, I mean, aside from artificial artificial intelligence and um, and technology and, uh, and ZFA, I mean, I would say, say the big, the first most important thing is to be an early adopter of technology, to use the software that's out there and, and get it in, in front of people, to really understand your employees. Uh, if, if we're talking about a company in this case, or if we're talking about a school, your students, understand what their needs are. Um, be sensitive to the fact that some people, <clears throat> for example, don't test well. Some people learn in different ways. Uh, and uh, and deploy video content is, is the most important thing. I mean, I think that's the thing that we're learning here, that, that we learn much faster. Um, I love books. I know that's, you know, I love librarians. Okay, so I'm not going to say you should stop reading books, but video content and, um, and access to videos, especially now that we're gonna have the ability to get into very specific components, very personalized uh, education. Video content is really powerful in training. It's gotta be part of every single uh, training curriculum and education. Well, it sounds like great advice. It's been a pleasure having you. Unless anyone else has any additional questions, that wraps it up for today. And we can go and learn what, who's coming up next Wednesday. Yeah, time flew by, thank you so much. <laughs> Yeah, we told you, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> so, so listen, uh, well, for the audience, uh, we're going to have, next week we're going to have here on Dojo Live, uh, Daniel Maher, or Maher, um, so I'm sorry if I didn't get that right, but it's May I think it's Maher. He is a developer uh, advocate or developer relationship is re relationships at Datadog. Datadog is what it is. It's a, it's a monitoring and, and analytics platform for developers, IT operation teams, and business users in the cloud. Uh, we don't have the topic yet, uh, but uh, <clears throat> Datadog, I do know it's an international company, and it should be really exciting to be having this conversation with its uh, developer advocate relations, Daniel, Daniel Mayer. So that's next week. You're right here on Total Live. Thanks, Carlos. And for those watching on Mondays, we do the recap show at 1 p.m. Pacific, where we take the key points that we learned from this show and recap them. So if you want to participate in the recap show and be one of the squares here in the video, we'd love to hear from you. All you have to do is just DM one of the hosts here and let us know what you learned today, and we'll invite you to be part of the show. We want to have audience member actively participating and actually participating as one of the panelists on the recap show. So you're welcome to join us to do that. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, thank you for joining us today. Thank, thank you. you, everyone. Thank you. Bye.
Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.